0: Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, geeks, nerds, fanboys, fangirls, and especially bat fans around the globe, we're coming to you live from Vigilant Geek Headquarters in Tingsboro, Massachusetts. You have reached the Vigilant Geek Podcast. I'm Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me, as always, my comic book partner in crime,
1: Holden norm of Vigilant Geek Media.
0: And uh, back on the show this week, we have wrestling aficionado and comic book fan, Vin Scorpion. Oh, did you miss me? <laughs> you know we did. Oh, we got a great episode uh for you guys today. Uh we are going to review the latest DC animated feature, Batman The Killing Joke. So (laughs) (laughs) Um We've all we all just saw it uh over the you know, it just came out a couple weeks ago. Um and uh you know, we all, uh, have mixed things to express, uh, in regards to the feature. Um, now you've, we've all also read the source material. So, uh, we are very familiar with this story. It's not a very long story. It's not a v- very big story arc. Um, v- originally written by Alan Moore. Uh, who's, you know, uh, probably Probably
1: the most well-known writer within the comic industry.
0: Correct. Yeah. Easily, easily. He's, he was basically the, the, the man who, uh, was able to, uh, show society that the graphic novel medium, uh, was not something just for kids. Um, and he did so, uh, in the 80s with Watchmen, V for Vendetta, and, uh, uh from hell what have you what have you um and and uh the art on that book uh the killing joke uh was done by uh brian boland uh who uh did a beautiful job on the artwork in the book in fact i've always said and i've said in previous casts that that is the best part of the book is the artwork it's absolutely gorgeous to look at um but it was recently turned into an animated feature by Bruce Timm, who pretty much does all of DC's animated work since Batman the Animated Series. Um, oh, let's see, he did Superman as well. He did Justice League. Um, I don't think he did Justice League Unlimited, though, did he?
1: Justice League Un... It, it seems like he kind of has... He's their go-to. Yeah. Uh, um, um, I believe he did... All right all right so so maybe
0: you did and then countless animated features since then um you know DC's had all kinds of stuff out obviously everything from Batman under the red hood to some of the more recent stuff uh Batman bad blood uh, Justice League War, Justice League Throne of Atlantis, oh,
1: Batman vs. Robin,
0: Batman versus Robin, another one that just came out I think last and year. And
1: Justice League versus the Teen Titans. That's
0: right, I forgot that one too. So, so Bruce Tim is like you know Mr. DC Animation kind of, and he works he usually works with Paul Dini a lot of the time, uh, as well as Eric Radomski, and there's a few other big names too that I just can't. Uh, think of at the at this particular moment it might come to me later on. Um, but fellas, let's open the forum here. Let's talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, uh, about Batman: The Killing Joke. Holden, why don't you start a little bit?
1: All right. Well, first of all, I'd like to state that I didn't enjoy Batman: The Killing Joke as a book when I read it the first time. Um. It was real short. Uh, it had some semi-interesting stuff about the Joker, like for the first time giving him kind of an origin, which I'm not a real fan of. I don't think the Joker should have an origin. Um, a lot of people will agree with you on that. Um, and then and then after that, they, they went ahead and took uh, one of the more popular heroines within the line and crippled her for the next 25 or so. Well, no. When, when did the book come out?
0: I want to say 1984. Okay, so yeah.
1: Barbara Gordon has been in a wheelchair since 1984. and, and Until Gail Simone wrote her, right? Until, until they rebooted her um, during the New 52. Right. Um,
0: and, and Gail Simone wrote that awesome arc that I have in hardcover uh, of, of Bat- Batgirl, pardon me, sort of... Uh, you know, gaining her strength back uh, when she's able to walk again and becoming the Batgirl that we all once knew and loved. Um, however, uh, one thing that just really didn't sit well with me in this animated feature right off the bat um, was the fact that they uh, actually had Batman and Batgirl consummate. Uh, I didn't agree with that, and I'll tell you why. I... F- personally feel as a bat historian, you know, uh, there's a few major arcs I have not read, but I've read pretty much everything from the late seventies up until present. Um, Batman, in my opinion, would have way too high of a moral compass to have sexual relations with Jim Gordon's daughter, his best friend and his confidant and basically his, his very first sidekick ever, uh, in Jim Gordon, uh, you to have sex with his daughter, who's, I wanna say, twenty five to thirty years younger than him. Well, probably twenty years younger than him at least. Uh give or take. Give or take. So that right off the bat uh didn't sit well with me.
2: Yeah, Batman broke manco big time. Exactly. You don't what the fuck, really? You know <laughs> Yeah. It's like, and, yeah. And,
1: and and not only that. Well she kinda jumped him, which is out of character for her too.
2: Yeah, she left everything off. She took out the mask and like like, yeah. Yo, know, they made that, they made that, like, they, even when she was jogging through the damn park, they even emphasized on her tits and ass.
0: Oh yeah, no, Bruce Tim was totally trying to sexualize her throughout the entire, uh, feature. It was, it was pretty damn obvious.
1: I kinda did that during the animated series too, where they had this really weird relationship between the two of them. And that's not how it's ever been in the
0: source material you know as far as i know it's you know uh, uh barbara gordon has always been a very conservative young lady brilliant and photographic memory of course like uh detective skills that rival batman bruce wayne um but you know batman has incredible restraint bruce wayne has incredible restraint if you look at his relationship with catwoman he oftentimes will not engage her physically Uh, if she is currently breaking the law or, uh, you know, stealing or what have you, like, you know, maybe if she's working with him, they develop a little romance and it spices up whatever story arc. But, but he shows incredible restraint there. So. Well, he's always
1: trying to change her too. So it's like. Yeah, he's trying to change her. So, and like, like when someone's like out there emotionally, you know, they're vulnerable and Catwoman can sense that and she takes advantage of it.
2: Big time. Big you know, time. like if Batman has a moral fiber, yeah, we can't, uh, do anything until you're not know, breaking the law. But that, <laughs> we're gonna, I'll chop that pussy. I mean, in metaphor too. You know, like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, uh, that's a, that's a bit black and white, but that's pretty much how it goes with him. And, uh, you know, you look at his relationship with Ivy and he's always able to resist her. And no, most men can't. Um, and so, so, you really think that he's gonna give in like that to Jim Gordon's daughter? I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, I think it was put in there for shock value. I think
1: they, they had 30 minutes that they needed to kill in order to warrant this being a DVD release, because people aren't gonna spend 20 bucks on a 30 minute episode.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you look at the killing joke as a story, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a quick bing bang boom. Joker shows up at the Gordon residence. Joker shoots Barbara in in the pelvis. Joker kidnaps Jim Gordon. Joker does the Funhouse routine with Gordon. Batman shows up and whoops his ass. End of story. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, there's some fillers. And do there. it
1: by the book.
0: By the book, yeah. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> have to, to. We have to prove to him that the system works exactly. Um, but all you need is a very bad day. <laughs> yes, yeah, just one bad day just one bad day the joker says that uh, separates him according to the joker of course separates him from uh uh f- from the bat or from you know john and jane q uh citizen in gotham um, i personally agree with you holden in regards to the joker origin i love the origin list joker like i was such a fan of the dark knight uh Christopher Nolan film due to the fact that it's like you don't know this guy, you don't know where he came from. He just appeared out um, of nowhere. And and in the New 52 the Joker was written that way. Like Batman does not know who the Joker is. He knows nothing about him. And the Joker meanwhile knows everything about Batman and that's what makes their relationship so cool and so creepy. Like you know, this guy in, with the you know, donning the makeup, you know, I've been Chasing his ass around for, you know, so many some odd years now and I still know nothing about him and he's been in the bat cave. That's, there's been evidence of that. I'm talking new 52 here. Yep, yep. Um, you know, he knows that I'm Bruce Wayne. He knows, uh, you know, who everyone in the, in the bat family is and their secret identities. How does he find this out? Uh, and how come we haven't been able to figure out who the hell he is, you know? Um, however, I, uh, I will say that if you are gonna have an origin, the Jack Napier origin is, you know, the pretty much the concrete origin that everyone goes to where he's the failed comedian Mm -hmm. and he, uh, resorts to, uh, joining up with the Red Hood gang and they pretty much use him,
1: uh. Well, the Snyder says that his origin's a little bit different. Like he's like this horrible immortal creature. Where he alludes to the fact that that might be the case,
0: in Endgame he does, yeah, that he's been around forever and he shows up in these pictures from you know the early 1900s or late 1800s, um, and that's a, that's an interesting take. Um,
2: they kind of do that in Gotham, the, the TV series Gotham, where they had a guy named Jerome. Who is yeah. like a, his mother was a carny, and you know he all of a sudden he just starts laughing, but then eventually he he dies. But they always say the, the like the spirit of the Joker will never die.
0: And I think I think that's exactly what they were going for in Gotham. Uh, I've reluctantly been watching it since the beginning. Um, they they like they, they have been trying to capture the essence of the Joker through different characters, such as Jerome and also. uh Barbara... Uh, I forget her last name but Jim Gordon's first girlfriend mm-hmm. who he marries in the comics but in in the show it's different. Um and she kind of goes nutty and and you know does the the laughing routine as well. So they're they're without showing the Joker because the Joker doesn't show up until after Batman is already operational. Um they're trying to capture the essence of the Joker and how Gotham City can change anyone into that if if they if they let the city do that um which is cool it's definitely an innovative uh way of writing it it's way different than the source material but it's entertaining um i will say that Mm -hmm. definitely um so let's talk a little bit more about uh Things we agreed with and things we did not agree with for this animated feature. I'm just going to go ahead and say some positive points here. The voice work, obviously, spot on. You got uh, Kevin...
1: Oh, yeah, K- Kevin Conroy. Sorry I interrupted you.
0: No, no, it's fine. Kevin Conroy is untouchable as the voice of Batman. He's been doing it for since 92, and... Uh, you know, he's 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 done the voice in the animated series and then uh, uh Justice League and then countless features.
1: He's gonna be on Justice League Action as well, which is gonna be a new oh. Justice League cartoon coming out. I imagine it's gonna be on Cartoon Network.
0: I can't wait. That's gonna be so cool. I've
1: been kinda going through withdrawals from like a good uh D C animation from Cartoon Network. And as I know they have Teen Titans go, but it's just <laughs> it's just nonsense. I can't deal.
2: He also does yeah. the voiceover work for, um, the video games.
0: That's right. All the Arkham, uh, video games. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, uh, do Batman and Joker for that too. So then you got Mark Hamill's voice work for the Joker. He pretty much stole the show. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'm some of his best work, I'd think, because the Joker had some pretty deep monologues in that and he just killed it.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of Joker monologues, let's hear a little Mark Hamill uh out of you, Vin.
2: Oh, I appreciate the thing, but there's plenty wrong with me.
0: <laughs> Spot on, brother. Spot on.
2: But now my blood is in yours, so you have to find it to both die.
0: Yeah. Mark Hamill uh is just I, I can't say enough about his voice work. I mean, he's a great actor too, you know, for live action, but,
1: uh. No, he did a really nice job when he was the trickster in the Flash series. Oh, that
0: was so cool how they, they, you know, he was the original trickster in the, uh, series with John Wesley Shipp in, uh, I think it was the early 90s they had that. And then, uh, they bring him back for the CW's Flash series. It was brilliant. I can't wait for him to join up with the rest of the rogues. I don't know. I don't think it's happened yet. Um, but, you know, seeing him play off of some of those other colorful villains too, like Captain Colton Heatwave and whatnot. I mean, that's just going to be so much fun, but, um, so the voice work spot on. The animation spot on. Uh, I mean, they captured the essence of the comic in the animation, the way Batman looked, the way Joker looked. Uh, very similar to the graphic novel. Um, so that was something I enjoyed. Uh, and, and, and regard, you know, besides the, the, the stuff they decided to throw in, the creative liberties that Bruce Tim took, uh, they stayed quite true to the source material. Not that there was a hell of a lot to deviate from to begin with, but they stayed p- true to the source material fairly well, I'd say, in, in regards to even showing uh, Alan Moore's, uh, Jack Napier Joker Origin and how it happened, uh, in the feature, which, which I thought, you know, if it's in the source material, show it in, in the animation. And they did, uh, and it, it came out great. You know, uh, so if, for those people that are receptive to a Joker Origin and want to see one and want to see who, you know, who this guy might be, if he's, you know, you want to, you know, look at the joker as an actual person, which you know I personally don't like looking at him like that. I like looking at him as like you know this I
1: prefer my natural disaster joker, yeah, me too, it me just too. kind of appears out of nowhere and then hundreds of people die, exactly.
0: but for those that are receptive to the origin, um that would be the quintessential uh joker origin to uh certainly follow, and it was uh depicted quite well in the animation, I'd say. But I like the how the relationship is, you see
2: how you know both him as Jack Napier and Bruce young Bruce Wayne, they both know how to experience loss. And they, they do it a certain way differently. So in a way the reason why like Joker and Batman can never destroy each other is because they need each other somehow. That's Absolutely. The, it's like he's like, You can't kill me and I can't get rid of you because you know mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. like you you're you're the one that pretty much gets me. <laughs>
0: It's like it's like uh how it was said at the end of the of the dark knight when he's the Joker uh Heath Ledger Joker he's like uh you can't kill me out of some misguided sense of self righteousness and I can't kill you because you are just too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a master of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, that's absolutely, uh, the relationship. It's explored, uh. It's like a whoop, yin, 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 yang. That's- <laughs> it really is. And, uh, you know, Bruce has been accused by members of the family, uh, as being dependent on, uh, the Joker. And he's, he's actually, if you look at some of the literature, uh, such as Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, he's, he is, uh, um, you know scrutinized for that by the media and by psychologists on the news and things like that as well and the joker obviously needs the batman so that you know somebody can react to whatever schemes he's pulling you know yeah. he, he wants the reaction he wants an audience and the batman's always going to be that audience he's always going to show up you know and see all right what games is he playing now But they're not games because he's killing people, but the Joker thinks it's a big game and he thinks that life's a game.
1: Oh, like, uh. It's a joke. Like, uh, Batman The Last Crusade. Like, um, in that story, it's a, a kind of an older Batman and towards the end of the line, he, he decides that he needs to retire, but he wants to go ahead and pass on the mantle of the bat to Jason Todd, but Jason Todd is, he like half wants to, half doesn't, and Jason Todd goes out to find the Joker himself and the Joker catches him and with his gang and he just beats him to death and that's how it finishes. And it's yeah. just like
0: Yeah, that was a great read actually. Um and it was it was a good call back to uh, a death in the family. Um, not to be confused with Death of the Family, the New Fifty Two arc that I love so much.
1: Yeah. Well, this one was more of a uh, a Dark Knight Returns prequel. It was a
0: prequel to the Dark Knight, right? Returns. Because after yep.
1: that, all of a sudden, the Joker like just he was in and uh, locked up in an asylum again, and he just stayed there, and he got catatonic because Batman no longer existed. And then, as soon as Batman came out of retirement, things the gears started turning again.
0: Yeah, he's like
1: Batman. All of a sudden, he gets his <laughs> cognitive, cognitive stuff back. Like, all the doctors are like, it's great! He's cured! And then I, um, and Then he gets back to his old tricks. I love the part in Dar- uh, Dark
0: Knight Returns when uh, he's on the Dave Endocr- Endocrine show uh, with Bartholomew Roper, his uh, psychiatrist or whatever. And Endocrine's asking him, he's like, I've heard you've killed over 600 people. What's your stance on that? And he just takes the, he's like, are these free? And like, he, gra- he grabs one of the Dave End- Endocrine mugs, he smashes it, he slits Dave Endocrine's throat, and then ends up, uh, gassing everybody in the audience. Like, uh, oh, I guess that's his stance on, uh, on that, so. I like to see the joke on a Jerry Spinger show. That I mean, that'd be entertaining as hell, but, I mean, seeing the Joker anywhere means murder.
1: <laughs> Usually. Well, even, like, because a lot of people take this Joker worship too far, and they're like, I'm going to do what he did, and they go shoot up a theater full of people.
0: Yeah, you get unfortunate things like that. That's a, well, that's a problem with a lot of media nowadays, mm-hmm. but, I mean...
1: People with mental illness who have, like really bad role models.
0: Well, that's that's the thing is the one thing that's actually a, a, a negative impact on society that I think the Batman stories um showcase a little too much of is they they romanticize insanity. Uh you got all these Arkham inmates, you got Scarecrow, two, Two-Face with the split personality, Scarecrow obsessed with fear. Joker. I don't even need to say much. Uh, come on, yeah, the um, redler
1: with the superiority complex. Yeah, the narcissism, the narcissism. extreme yeah. narcissism, and
0: it romanticizes all this. And let's not forget Bruce Wayne himself and his psychosis. I yeah, mean, he is Batman, and Bruce Wayne is the mask. You know, so you know he's fucked up
1: too. And then uh, he's got that sick fixation that. He he has all these suits, highly weaponized everything, but he chooses to go fist on on bone, like whenever he possible. Has to, yeah. He has to physically beat up criminal criminals. It's so he has to.
0: He's so addicted to it that you know. Oftentimes, you you watch the animated series or you watch the Dark Knight trilogy, and you see Bruce Wayne in these board meetings. You know. F- Sound sound asleep, you know, or or look at staring out the window, waiting for when it's time to be Batman again, you know, like he's a, he's addicted to being Batman. That's his addiction. Um, so the story itself, as good as it is, it's you know probably in my opinion the besides Superman, I mean they're neck and neck, uh, but Batman probably the greatest comic book story ever. Uh, but it romanticizes insanity a little too much, and people can get carried away with that, and it's unfortunate because it's one of those cases where the few ruin things for the many. It, in other words,
1: um, yeah. Well, I mean, you can't give if you, if at any point in time you're giving up freedoms to feel safer, you don't deserve freedoms. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly so gentlemen let's pick this apart just a little more
1: uh any other dislikes um hmm. well uh the length was kind of well it was as long as it needed to be it was pretty brief but since i never really enjoyed the story that much in the first place i guess it was about the right amount of time
2: yeah i kind of wish it was a little bit longer and uh but it's, I like how the only the one thing I didn't like about it was the beginning of it. You know, I don't really care about.
1: All the filler stuff. Yeah, the with filler uh, stuff. Paris Franz. Another,
2: yeah, Paris Franz.
1: <laughs> Stupid name is Sad.
2: I uh, love you, Batgirl. <laughs> I love you. So, and, and I can understand where like Batman was coming from. He's he trying to teach her don't get, don't get caught up in the insanity. Don't be where I'm at. Cause all his life it's like he can't get over, like that would have been her Joker, him. Don't, yeah, don't let it be personal. Yeah. And you know, but it's like I like how they because in the beginning of the original, you know, book, you don't see all that. All you see is him going to Arkham Asylum. He's like, "Look, we need to talk." Right. And uh, everybody knows when that stuff happens, that that beginning of that phrase happens, nothing's ever good now, especially with Batman. Like, okay, what are you gonna do? Punch me? You know?
0: <laughs> right.
2: Right. But I'm like on him being like on like physicality. He's in he's he's built on intimidation. That's all he is.
1: In, f- in fear.
2: In fear. Yeah. He has a, you know, superiority complex, I believe, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, easily, easily.
1: But I mean, he also is like the leading mind on Mm. everything in, in the DCU.
0: (laughs) Well, let's see. He is head strategist for the Justice League. He is the quote unquote world's greatest detective. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's he's at the epicenter probably of every major – well, he's not the epicenter of every major DC arc, but he plays a, a significant role. <laughs>
1: yeah, it seems that he plays a role in all of them.
0: Like, you'll never have a Justice League arc and no Batman. It just – I mean
1: – No, you'll always get your Batman, your Superman, and your Wonder Woman, and then it's kind of a mixed bag after that.
0: Yeah, sometimes you get Flash and Lantern and Cyborg, but no Aquaman, no Shazam. Sometimes it's, you get Shazam and Cyborg, no Aquaman, no Green Lantern. Sometimes Aquaman's there, no Flash, you know, what have you. Uh, Hawk Girl even was a member for the Justice League cartoon. Um, I, and I love the Hawks. Um, not to get too sidetracked but yeah you you'll never get those stories without the bat um, if you look at the dc uh cinematic universe and the way they're building it right now now granted i haven't seen suicide squad yet but i know batman's in it um, they're building that cinematic universe yes they're building it on superman uh it started technically uh with man of steel but they're really centering everything around Batman uh from what I
1: understand. Have you seen the teaser trailers yet for what for Justice League? Oh no, I have not They exist hmm it's uh pretty much it's just uh Bruce Wayne uh going and like having meetings with like with everybody, like uh meeting up with um, they show the part where he meets up with Aquaman and they show a part where they meets up with the Flash.
2: Yeah, I saw that he was like, I understand you know how to talk to fish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now now Bruce is tasked with finding all of the other superhumans, basically him and Diana, him and Wonder Woman, uh, after the death of Superman at the end of Batman versus Superman, although we know Superman isn't dead um but he has that vision i don't know if what you'd call it when the flash comes through mm-hmm. that portal yeah. in batman versus superman was like you have to find us bruce you have to find us um and you were always right about him um i don't know if that refers to superman or dark side or what but uh
1: it might be dark side because he had the the that nightmare with the the parademons with the
0: parademons yeah and so, then
1: oh i think i know what it's going to be All right, here's my prediction for the movie, right? So, Batman goes and he recruits everybody together. Meanwhile, Superman's body is stolen by Darkseid. Um, Mm. When Superman goes ahead and he returns to power, Darkseid brainwashes him. And he's going to have, like... I've seen pictures of him with the mullet floating around the internet. Superman? Yep. Really? So... What might happen is, is they end up in a situation where they gotta defeat Darkseid, but in order to do that, they have to actually go toe to toe with Superman. I bet you're gonna have like Aquaman like hitting him real hard with a trident and like going through skyscrapers and stuff.
0: That would just be so cool. I hope you're right about that. So it'll be
1: like more like Justice League versus Superman?
0: Almost like, uh, Sorta of similar to the, uh, Injustice storyline where Superman kinda t- breaks bad there, but for a different reason, obviously.
1: Well, I remember, uh, Superman the Animated Series, uh, one of the, on the series finale, Superman has it out with Darkseid, but at the beginning of the episode, it was a two-parter. The very first episode of the two-parter, Superman is, is leading Darkseid's army, he's wearing complete armor, but he's carrying the flag with it, with his symbol on it. And he, and, and then after though, and he's like he conquers like this planet for Darkseid, and then he goes and he kneels before Darkseid, and Darkseid's like, like rise, my most favorite son, and it's just like whoa. But then eventually Superman returns to his senses, and he ends up thrown down with Darkseid, and I feel like that's what's gonna happen here. If it is, then that's like the movie we all kind of deserve at this point, right?
0: Absolutely, and if if that is the way they go about it uh Zack Snyder would be a bonafide genius and it would make for a great film I think it'd be a it'd be beautiful it'd be absolutely beautiful um but yeah getting back to the, um the general point that I was just trying to make about Batman being the epicenter of the DC cinematic you um you have Suicide Squad where Waller Amanda Waller uh of uh Argus which is the government agency that deals with uh metahumans z- humans, yeah um, she wants the bat and the only person who has had contact like face to face contact that they can get a hold of uh to figure out how to find the, the bat the sneaky little bat who's been uh destroying all kinds of property and branding people uh is to find the joker Hence the Suicide Squad, uh, hunting down the Joker. Um, you know, I know you guys are going to be seeing that today, mm-hmm. so um, let me know if I'm wrong about any of that. Um, that's more of just hearsay and things I've read on the internet. So, But uh, either way, um, you know, you're not going to get any of these DC movies, really, except for some of the standalones like Wonder Woman and The Flash. You're not going to get any of that without the bat. Uh, just like in, you know, comic book continuity, you don't get any major Justice League stories without the bad either. Uh, it's just, he's too important of a character, I guess. So, um, oh, final thoughts on the killing joke, gentlemen.
1: Um, for me, I felt that the voice work was absolutely amazing. Um, it definitely brought Alan Moore's, um, and it made it more palatable for me. I liked it better in animation. Um otherwise, uh I'm I'm not a huge fan of the killing joke anyway, and Batman acts really uncharacteristic and overly touchy-feely in this story.
0: Couldn't agree with you more on that on that front. Yeah. Um, Does not act like the bat in this particular Feature. Like he's
1: not gonna laugh at Joker's jokes. He's not going to like like meet up with the Joker and talk about his feelings. It's just, yeah. I just don't. Yeah. I just don't see that. It's like just not group. the kind of character Batman is. It's like a group meeting at the VA. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, what I liked about it is, if anyone is new to the Joker or new to Batman, if they want to like get an insight of how he is, that's the best thing to look. The, that's the best way to go. Because I know there's people out there like I've been I've been an avid Joker fan for many years and uh not in that like sociopathical type way where I'm not going to take it too far. But I look at it as, as Joker, you know, he's just he'll do what he wants when he wants. No one's going to tell him what to do, what to say.
0: He's just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like no, you're I- damn right. I'll whoop his
2: ass. You know. And it's
0: like, I oh. think uh Stone Cold and the Joker. Now that would be a hell of a crossover. <laughs> That'd be a great bring back celebrity death match on MTV. Perfect, and I'm, perfect. And have Stone
2: Cold versus the Heath Ledger Joker. You're like, hey, I'm gonna whoop your ass and do it, and I have a can of beer. Hey, can I tell you about how I got these scars, Steve? You know, <laughs> right, I'll give you a scar up your ass. You know? <laughs> no, but, um, but everything comes back. Patch right. it up <laughs> with a Stone Cold Band Aid. <laughs> <laughs> which again <www.shop.com. laughs> Um, but it's like I like the way I like the way it portrayed there's some things that I don't like but a lot of it it was entertaining and oh uh, yeah I look forward to like anything you feel, like uh, the killing joke was always one of my favorite stories you know it's like I one of my ones I always read I read it like a thousand times I always like when if they when if they can't make this into a movie like not they make this into like an animated series or whatever and it, like I got what I wanted but with the, well, a lot of anticipation and hype, you know, there's always a little bit of disappointment.
1: Oh, I can only imagine how awful a killing joke live action film would be. Yeah. Well,
0: it wouldn't... It would be tough to keep it rated R. I th- Actually, no, it could be rated R. Um, it would definitely be something that would be tough to put in theaters, though, because you're going to have a lot of kids that are going to want to go see that, and and it's not for kids. I mean, I am very glad this animated feature was rated R, especially with what they put in the beginning um because that's not for kids um what i'll say about this animated feature is it, it was very visually appealing i cannot say enough about the animation i do agree with holden in regards to the story it was alan moore looking for his next paycheck um he wasn't alan moore you know doesn't like writing mainstream stuff to begin with. So he you know, he wasn't even all that pumped about it. It was Brian Boland's artwork that really brought that story to life. Um and really, you know, some of the most iconic pictures and panels, comic book panels, of the Joker that, you know, you look up, you know, the Joker comic book, you know, on Google and, and you know I'm sure you, the first things you'll find are, are pictures from the killing joke. Um, you know, his artwork is just absolutely iconic. And that was what made it, in my opinion, an iconic story. That and the fact that, uh, that was the story where there was like the first real concrete Joker origin to, um, those are two things that really made it iconic. Um, but as a bat historian and as someone who has read, uh, dozens of Joker stories. I mean, I've even read some of the Joker stories from back in, uh, the 1940s. Uh, I was able to download those onto my laptop. And, uh, so I, I, I have a very, uh, very much a, a vast knowledge of the Joker, uh, and, uh, the evolution of the character from you know 1939 to uh present day um there's so many other joker stories that are just uh so much uh deeper and so much more fun to read uh just to name a few uh there is of course uh, all of Snyder's work on the new 52 in regards to a death in the family, or sorry, death of the family, uh, in Endgame. It was just absolutely iconic stuff there. Then you all, you obviously have a death in the family, the Jason Todd story, which was much more brutal in my opinion than the killing joke, uh, where you essentially have a man dressed up as a clown, beating the shit out of a minor dressed in a costume with a crowbar and then blowing him up. It's absolutely, it, it's just crazy violent. Um,
1: yeah, like uh, <laughs> hitting a freaking uh, thumbtack with a sledgehammer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then you have, you know, The uh, the Man Who Laughs, which is uh, the story of when Batman and Joker first met, um, which is very good as well. Uh where you get to, you get to really see, uh, the first major time, uh, Batman and Jim Gordon team up as a duo. Uh, there's just, there's so many incredible Joker stories out there. Uh, the killing joke has the fame it has, in my opinion, due to the origin and due to the artwork. But besides that, it's, I'm sorry, Alan Moore. I know you don't give a shit anyways, but it's not, <laughs> it's nothing special. Um, so we have a little bit of time where I actually would love to go around the table guys and uh let's discuss our favorite representations of the Joker. Um now I know Holden and I are going to say Mark Hamill. Um but Mark Hamill aside, let's 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 take Mark Hamill and put him aside. He is untouchable. He is my favorite. But there's been countless others um
1: yeah they've all been played uh a little bit well quite differently
0: absolutely absolutely so hold on let's start with you what what, who's your favorite joker and why
1: uh i'm gonna go with heath ledger i mean it's not that i don't enjoy the other incarnations of the joker um it's just that it just fits so well for the type of story that they were trying to tell um and I mean that was a, l- a really long movie too, The Dark Knight. Oh yeah. And and it's too easy. I could probably sit in that for 2 hours straight, easy.
0: Oh yeah. And the- it was so well
1: written and it's uh, the only thing that that uh <laughs> that kind of rubs me the well not rubs me the wrong way, I just kind of uh, like just the people doing the Joker impression. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the Heath Ledger one with the scars All the time. Mm -hmm. Constantly. Ha
2: ha ha.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, everybody knows who I like. Heath Ledger. You know, he epitomizes like the best Joker. Uh, just the way he's, even when he uses his own little mannerisms that he did, you know, and licking his mouth and all that kind of stuff, it's like a nervous tick he had. So he even engulfed himself into the Joker character. Oh yeah. You know, I I haven't seen Gyro Leto's version yet. Um, but it doesn't really matter to me. I will always be a Heath Ledger fan. Um, like I became a fan of that so much. I can even, you know, I did his impression. I always do it most of the time because it's kind of ironic that I do have a big scar. So I'm like, like, can I tell you about these scars? (laughs) Let
0: me show you how I got them. My dad
2: (laughs) was a drinker and a friend. One day he came home crazy unusual. Mom went for the kitchen knife. Dad didn't like that. Not one bit. <laughs> hmm. He sees me looking at a farm. He looks at me and says, why so serious? <laughs> That's enough. <And laughs> let's put a smile on that, <laughs> that
0: face. <laughs> and why so serious? <laughs> now we're going to have tryouts. Tryouts. Try <laughs> <laughs> Make it quick. Now our outfit is small. But we have a lot of room for aggressive expansion. So who would <laughs> like to join our team will have tryouts. Oh, <laughs> uh, We could go on and on. Um, one little bit about Ledger, um, not to get too morbid on you guys, but uh I read uh, an article, a very interesting article, about his death and uh, – things that transpired uh leading up to that and uh apparently when ledger was uh you know immersing himself in the role he kept a journal a joker journal where he was taking lots of pictures of himself with the makeup lot you know cutting and pasting lots of other joker pictures and then uh it got so bad that he ended up pasting pictures of the joker and pictures of clowns like all over his hotel room and he was just doing a ton of drinking and taking a ton of benzodiazepines and i mean we all know those those don't mix well um, no, so even,
2: he even blackened out the room oh i didn't know that yeah, he darkened it out he pretty much secluded himself and he disengulfed himself so much that it pretty much drove him over to the breaking point
1: what is it about preparing for this role that drives people to the fucking edge well, well, except Jack Nicholson. <clears throat> Fucking Jack-, well, Jack Nicholson's <laughs> like What the
2: fuck's this kid's problem Jack Nicholson was just Jack Nicholson in the Joker Yeah. Well,
1: well,
0: It's funny you guys Bring up Nicholson Because Nicholson warned him Nicholson said Be fucking careful With this role This role like Fucked with me mm-hmm. You know And for it to fuck With like Jack Nicholson Who's fucking, in the fucking Shining Yeah I mean he, he hacks up a bunch of people In the Shining No problem He and goes th- fucking Ape shit in that movie And J.P. McMurphy and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest Yeah and then One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nestle. Of, of course um, you know, and, he's and Danny Bat-
2: DeVito in it too who ends up being the penguin And in- yeah I know
0: I, I, I love it I love it <laughs> I love it <laughs> <laughs> I lo- um, not to get sidetracked but I love the part in Batman Returns when like all the uh, the public relations people are trying to prepare him for his campaign for mayor and he ends up biting off the guy's fucking nose <laughs> could be worse I could bleed it from my nose he's like ah, <laughs> chomp <laughs> Danny DeVito was the perfect penguin too, but uh. I don't, I don't know if he was typecast because he's short.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, that's messed up.
0: I don't think he even cared. I love the part too, when he's trying to hit on Catwoman. The lousy minx! She's sending all the wrong signals!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Freaking chokes her to death, but with an umbrella.
0: Yeah, it's so funny, but uh.
1: Catwoman having nine lives in that movie. I
0: was, I was waiting for Locker to come out of the woodwork. From Taxi.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: yeah, no shit. Um, that's some old school DeVito right there. Man, uh, what if, what
1: if they called up Tim Burton and was like, "Would you like to make another Batman movie with Michael Keaton?"
0: Ooh. Michael Keaton is 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 so old and wrinkly now, though. Well, well could uh, they do the, the a, story where he so? trained another that doesn't Batman? Doesn't matter. They get he, stunt doubles he and can shit. Train another Batman.
2: Like, didn't they do that once before? Like, when he had like, he was retired, but he had. Another guy dressed him as Batman. Oh, Batman, Batman Beyond. Beyond. Yeah, yeah Batman Beyond. with uh,
0: Terry McGinnis. Is that the name? McGillis? Yeah. McGinnis? No, it's McGinnis. Terry McGinnis uh played batman be- or is batman beyond pardon me yeah. um batman beyond that would make a great live yeah, and action. you have michael
2: keaton as the batman because out of any batman he's my i've favorite.
0: seen and it's funny you say that because i've seen a lot of uh fan art on the internet showing showcasing keaton the old you know current day keaton uh with you know batman beyond you know uh and and i think that would be really cool i'd see it yeah absolutely that would make a great live action um, real quick, I'm gonna say that even though I have a lot of love for Ledger, and I actually have a lot of love for Caesar Romero, even though he was super campy. <laughs> um, well,
1: Batman '66 was a straight up campy. All the I remember, I watched the uh, the Batman movie, the the '66 movie. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, love it. Wicked campy.
0: Um, but very silly, very campy, and actually, a lot of the uh famous Batman writers, like Denny O'Neill, actually like really scorned that show because it 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 took Batman away from his dark roots and sort of made him silly in the comics for a while, where they were doing a lot of silly things with Batman and a lot of his rogues. But it's, um,
1: it's so influential, though it it, 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 yeah. it introduced Batman to the general public. Mm-hmm. It was. The tone of the show was for kids. So all of a sudden you get all these kids who like Batman, and then you they grow up reading Batman and now Batman's kinda of matured with his audience.
0: That's that's a little and, like and my childhood. Exactly, and it's carried the same cult fan base. It's not even a cult, it's like everyone loves knows and loves Batman. Um but yeah, it, it you know, in many ways it definitely did start with that television show. Um, and I do have love for Cesar Romero's portrayal. I mean, you know, it, it was silly, but it was it was fun. But I'm going to have to go with Nicholson. Um I just you know, it, it was Jack Nicholson's take on the Joker, but I thought that it stayed true to the classic Joker. That Joker from the 1940s and 50s, you know, who'd wear, you know, the, the purple hat and stuff and, 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 uh, you know, it's tough for me really to describe, but, you know, the vintage Joker that, that you, that you'd see, uh, um, from the comics, like, I just felt like Jack Nicholson portrayed that so well. Um, now, instead of the Red Hood gang, they did the origin, they did the Jack Napier origin in that. Um, which is, you know, take it or leave it. You're, you're either a, a Joker origin guy or a non-Joker origin guy. Um but instead of the Red Hood gang, they had Carl Grissom's mob gang or whatever. And I didn't, I also didn't really like how Commissioner Gordon was more of a spectator than, than Batman's partner, in, you know, in, in crime fighting. But, uh, Jack Nicholson stole that show. You know, like he was just, he was, in my opinion, he was awesome. And he, he did, like, sort of, like, unnecessary, destructive things. Like, when he's in the museum, like, fucking up all the artwork. It's like, there's no reason for that. But the Joker does random things like that to say, hey, the Joker was here. In fact, I think that was on one of the paintings. Joker was here. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he did it. He actually he wrote it himself. It was, like,
2: back in the, where the where, back during the, what, World War II or something like that, so somebody was here.
1: Yeah, That's pretty a, what Joker was here. Yeah. Oh, it's, um... <laughs> Kilroy! Kilroy,
2: yeah, Kilroy was there, so it was a little spit on that. But it was, it was funny, he's like, I like, I like, like when I saw the 1989 version of Batman and I saw him as the Joker, I was like, no one can get any better than that. And then I, but it's like different takes like you said, it's more originality. Yeah,
0: sure. And then, you know, Heath Ledger came on the scene in uh, the late 2000, I think 2008. And
2: uh And I was dejected where we were about that, because we say I'm like, Heath Ledger, he was just on Brokeback Mountain, he played on 10 Things They Hate About You, how can yeah, you be a joker? A Knight's Tale, like, yeah. A knight's tale I'm like, how can you take him serious? And I watched, I was like, damn, I'm like, that is awesome. Well, he, he was
1: really good in The Patriot. Too. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another good fair another, another good one. Yeah. Another
0: good one. Um, but, you know, I equate that to Eisenberg's portrayal of Luthor. I was so disappointed when I heard about the casting, and, and it ended up, I thought he did a great job. I think he would make a better Riddler. Oh, he'd he make a phenomenal Riddler, yeah. um, but, you know, he made a great Luthor. I mean, if you look at the DCU and you look at, like, the smartest villains, like the Riddler and Luthor... Luthor is smarter, obviously, mm-hmm. but, I mean, uh, Riddler's right up there as one of the smartest villains. I mean, he is Batman's intellectual challenge. Gene, ha- Gene Hackman so. was my favorite Luthor. Oh, he was the best. No <laughs> one will ever be better than, than Gene Hackman. He was the perfect Luthor. He's like such a coward. You know, <laughs> it was so great. The greatest criminal man of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even team up with
2: like Richard Pryor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Superman, Superman actually, no, 3.
0: Luthor, actually, Luthor wasn't in there. It was another guy. That's right. Luthor was was in the first two and then he came back in Quest for Peace. Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: what was it? Richard Pryor?
0: Yeah, he was making like kryptonite cigarettes or something. He he, or- he what he did was he took like um he
2: worked in computers. He got a job working computers and he took like every cent that's coming out and he made like billions, like millions of dollars and they realized that he's stealing from the company and the guy realizes it and he goes, "Okay, then hire me to make a supercomputer." And Right. And then they had that supercomputer. like, it's just funny to me how it just engulfed that lady and just made it turn into a, like a computer itself. <laughs> it was alive or something. Like it was that. a,
0: it was a very silly, kind of bad movie. The first two Superman movies were, were on point, I think. Uh, you got the first Superman, Gene Hackman is just a flawless Lex Luthor. And then, uh, you know, I thought when the Kryptonians came mm. in Superman 2, uh, General Zod, I mean, I, that was cool too. Um, you know, but then after that, uh, and we discussed this with Mark Gallagher back in season one when we talked about comic book movies, uh, how, uh, Richard Donner, uh, wasn't directing, uh, yeah,
1: he, he filmed like something like 90% of it and then
0: he filmed, he filmed 90, like 90% of, uh, the, of the second movie and then they changed to a different film company Mm -hmm. called Canon. And they got rid of them, and then they had to come up with like, you know, 51% of the, of new footage and that's where you get like the stupid S coming off of his chest and think, like, stupid things like that. Um, 'cause cause once again, Richard Donner, phenomenal filmmaker, take Richard Donner away and then you, you start getting crap like that and mm-hmm. it gets worse and worse as the series goes on, but I mean, uh, first two were solid, uh, but that's pretty funny though with this
2: like hokey. Oh, he called me a super saran rap.
0: Yeah <laughs> I know. Like it's like, come on. But uh yeah, um I think this was a really fun cast we did today. Um mm-hmm. I love talking joker. So uh you know, this was this was just, you know, peaches and cream for me. Um but I want to thank all you listeners out there for uh Listening in this week, go see The Killing or go rent or buy The Killing Joke if you haven't seen it yet. It is worth watching. Um very entertaining, very awesome animation. Uh my name is Oh, you know what? Before I say my name, although you already know it. Uh let's do a few plugs. Uh we just want to mention that if you have not subscribed to our YouTube page, please do so. Like our videos and comment. Also visit our blog at thevigilantgeek.blogspot.com lots of great content on there articles uh indie book reviews uh neat lots of neat pictures and things we and actually uh a new segment that uh Vin is uh heading up here uh called the scorpion's den in regards to pro wrestling uh that's up on the blog right now so you're going to want to check that out too uh Vin I uh, just real quick now, I know you met uh some serious WWE and pro re- other pro wrestling superstars at McCoy Stadium uh, a few weeks back in Pawtucket. Um I don't know if you have a few things you want to add about that or save that for a different episode well, or Well that's
2: going to be what the um the Scorpion Zen's going to be cuz you okay. you pretty much said it um in the vlog that in the blog I, I as you know as you said um that we will get a little bit more detail. You know I <clears throat> You no, know, just a thing. It was like me being Vince Scorpion. I got to meet the idol, the icon Sting, who I've looked up to ever since. I watched more WCW.
0: Than I watched WWE back in the day. Right. And how appropriate is that? The yeah. Scorpion gets to meet. Sting. I told him that too. I told him <laughs> I that. I told him that too. I'm like, you've been a very
2: big influence on me ever since you when you were just a you know blonde guy from Venice Beach, California to every yeah. to go to every man's nightmare being the you know the the vigilante Sting, which is more of the WWE's take on it. But I when he did that. You no, know, change to his character was amazing. Right, right. And it's like the him face to face. You know, I was just like, I was like in awe.
0: Way cool. And we got some really cool pictures of, uh, Vin with, uh, Sting and then some of, some other, uh, big name superstars up on the blog. So once again, go to thevigilantgeek.blogspot.com Also, we're on Facebook www.facebook.com slash the vigilant geek or just look us up the vigilant geek on Facebook. You'll find us. Uh, we're also on Twitter at the vigilant geek and you can reach Holden at Holden Jack Orm. Uh, and, uh, I think, uh, that's pretty much what we have going on on the internet at, at this point in time. Oh, I suppose, uh, if you go to the blog, um, if, 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 you know, you don't want to listen to us on YouTube, you can also listen to us on fans.fm. You can find the link on the blog too for, uh, all the podcast episodes there. Um, so guys, I want to thank you all for joining me today for this epic discussion on the killing joke. I'm Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media and with me as always,
1: hold an arm of Vigilant Geek Media.
0: And as well, we want to thank Vin Scorpion for yeah. being back on the show. He's one of our big analysts here at Vigilant <laughs> Geek Media. Thank you very much, Vin, for being on again. So,
2: always my pleasure because I'm glad you said list at the end, at the end of it because I always said, I thought you were going to call me a big anal.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm folks. <really> weak, folks. <laughs> and as always, stay, stay vigilant. vigilant.